Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane. With me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. So today is October 30th, which means that on the day you all will be first able to listen to this episode, it will be the spookiest day we know and love, Halloween. (laughs) Um, Man, a lot of sound effects happening right now. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's Halloween. Um, so I guess we've got some, some spooky seasonal content for you. We do a um, little bit. Um, but, uh, mostly we're going to talk about a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, but before we do any of that, how about the basic rundown, huh? Yes. So if you are a $10 a month Patreon subscriber, you probably have noticed that you do not yet have writing by reading in your inbox. Um, that's because we are slow, careful readers for a book as beautiful as N.K. Jemisin's The Fifth Season. So that will be out right now. If you're listening to it, go to Patreon. It's there. The last um, day of October. The last day of October. That's why the pioneers invented a 31st day in October, so that we could fit <laughs> it in for the month. I feel like somebody needs to like history check Please you. Don't. Please don't fact check me. Don't do it. Okay. Okay, well, the Pioneers have also invented our November special episode dates. Query episode will go live November 16th, writing by reading the 23rd and first pages on the 30th. Those are all Thursdays. Send Mm -hmm. us your query show or your queries, your first pages for our special shows. Um, We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to getting a new crop of like good spooky fall oh queries. send something fallish if you send something fallish we'll, we'll definitely we'll, do it we'll put it up on the on the queue um because you know tis the season tis the um, season speaking of the season it's halloween yes um i had a great feeling? time you had a great time yes what'd you do um well i did my first couple's costume oh yeah my. what was your couple's yeah. costume so um we didn't want to do something like sweet or gross or anything so mm-hmm. basically i wanted to find something that would allow me to have an axe. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay. So I was the intrepid folktale hero Paul Bunyan, and my fiance was Babe the Blue Ox. How very, how very Minnesota of you. Thank you. A nice flip. Thank you. Well, Way actually, be... so I did I did some reading because I yeah. have memories of being young, you know, as a child when you're learning about folktales and, and Paul mm-hmm. Bunyan. And um I remember thinking Babe is something that we typically call women and mm-hmm. like female, female, you know, thi- species. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember Babe the Blue Ox being male and I looked it up. Sure enough, both men. They're both men. They're both men. Wow. Yeah. I, well, actually, I don't know if Babe the Blue Ox is a man, <laughs> but he's, you know, an yeah. ox who is male. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, there yeah. you go. So I so was a gender flipped uh, Paul Bunyan and um, Nick was a uh, babe and he got to wear basically like this cool blue onesie. And we went to a local brewery where it was um, there was a whole bunch of things. There was like a haunted house and for a costume, we got a free beer uh-huh. and it was dog day or it was like pet uh-huh. day. Uh-huh. And so they had all of these dogs and costumes and there was actually a corgi. 
that was also dressed as Paul Bunyan. So we got some really wonderful pictures. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The dog was, was dressed, dressed as, as Paul, Paul Bunyan. Bunyan and not the ox? Yes. Because you could see how it might be better for to make the dog the ox given, you know, the the quadruped Yeah, situation. no, both he and his owner yeah. were Paul Bunyan. And so we, t- oh, we all took a picture and oh, it was like Paul three Bunyan. Paul Bunyans. Um, yeah, it was great. They <laughs> Minnesota had, is a real hoot, folks. They, <laughs> Come they out had, and visit. They had um, a whole bunch of, there was one that was like a cherry pie. There was a bunch of like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Dogs dressed as dinosaurs, dogs dressed as monkeys. There was a bunch of dogs dressed as superhero villains. Yeah, um, yeah, it was great. They had uh, they had instead of bobbing for apples, they had bobbing for hot dogs for the dogs in a kiddie pool outdoors. Mm-hmm. So they were all very happy. I got to pet a lot of dogs. It was pretty good. So, <laughs> who wore it better? Uh, yeah, that, that's a good question. But um, so I've only I didn't do anything for Halloween because I don't particularly like Halloween as a personal like go out and celebrate holiday. It doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really do it for me. But I did, I've done a couple's costume one time in my life. What was it? This was it back, um, I guess I was right out of college. The girl I was seeing was in college. Um, but we were Charlie Brown and Lucy. Ooh! Yeah. And we broke up that night. Which <laughs> is, which Why am is, I not no, no, surprised? No, no, no. no it, was so, it was so good because like when you picture, like what better... What better attire to be wearing when you're feeling like how heartbroken and down on your luck than like Charlie literally Brown. being Charlie Brown, <laughs> like marching around to like a little piano music? You if know? you were John from Garfield, then that would be yeah. a little bit better. No, it was great. Um, um, it was perfect. Important question. Yeah. Please tell me that she dumped you. Yes. Okay, so it was actually yeah, costume yeah, and I got appropriate. To, like, do, yeah, I got to like do like the shoulder slump, you know. Uh, wow. <laughs> well, um, that is. A good story mm-hmm. and also a bummer. Yeah. But that, you know what? I feel like you've kind of rewritten your negative Halloween relationship stories because uh-huh. you did something really fun this weekend. What What did I do? Uh, I feel like you should say it. I'm not going to say it on our podcast. Eric is now affianced. Oh, my God. Um, indeed, I am. He's engaged. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Um, that is my statement on the matter, I guess. Yay. Uh- <laughs> he figured out what the um, knot was today. So everything like the engagement was really good this morning and now it's going downhill. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. That's my <laughs> statement <laughs> on being engaged. Um, but so we were talking about Halloween. Yes. Moving past. Moving the, past. The, you're engaged. Fine. The, incredibly invasive detour into my personal life um <laughs> i'm sorry you opened the door with um, i got dumped when i was dressed as charlie brown that was that was content appropriate um we were trying to think up some print run halloween costumes we were like if we went to a party what would we be yeah you know i don't know that we came up with a good couples one and i was also like sitting around like trying to jot down some good like book costumes yeah right and i realized first and foremost that the primary objective of all Halloween costumes for me is an excuse to like not go to the party. <laughs> so you could be something like, I'm the invisible man and just like <laughs> and not go, go to the party or like get really annoying about it and be like, you know, debut fiction royalty checks or something and like just like, nope, didn't show up. <laughs> um, you could also go as like, you could like show up like a little bit late and like wear something as the same as the person who's there and like cry a lot and then leave early and be a nook. That would, <laughs> um, that would be good. Um, I don't know. You that could, one takes a little bit of thinking. Yeah, it would take a little bit of thinking. And you'd certainly, no one would really like you for it, which would also yeah. be appropriate um, with with the nook. 
Um, <laughs> you could put on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Um, the only good couples costume I thought of for like literary stuff, and then there are obviously plenty, and you should certainly uh, tweet them at me. Um, but I was thinking someone should be like uh, Jonathan Safran Foer and Natalie Portman. <laughs> well, like <laughs> you'd have to like carry around a hamster ball yeah, with yeah. like a stuffed hamster yeah. in it, and just like set it, and then just like stare at it moodily in a sweater, <laughs> <laughs> while like Natalie Portman goes around and like flirts with other men. It'll be it'd be great. Um, it would be a really fun Halloween party. This that is a would great, be ideal. That'd be great, great if like you're in a fight. Yeah, no, it's know? the perfect costume for that. You could put on, you know, like there's like those little, uh, um, like glasses with the mustache and the nose, yeah. right? Like the classic like disguise prop. Yeah, you could put that on and be imposter syndrome. <laughs> that's like, Actually, I'm uh, sh- why why have I not seen yeah. this on book Twitter? Because I know, like, that's, that's what I mean. Fabulous. Like, it feels like you know, there's plenty of good like moody things you could be. In the book world, um, apart from like characters and stuff, um, yeah, because I mean, like Harry Potter is good and all, yeah, but you know, thinking about our own show, you could you could like stand near the kitchen, right, like in the you know like next to the chips, and like every time you eat a chip, like compliment it and be Gary Steingart, like as the guy <laughs> every time just you blurbing everything, <laughs> that guacamole is just, yeah. mm, um, I got a little piece of onion in that yeah, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, ooh, exactly. great. Yeah. Until everyone just like tells you to shut up and maybe like write another book or something. That that'd be good. Um, <laughs> anyway, I sat around today and yeah, thought of this instead of doing actual work, which is good. It's good use of my time. You know what? I, <sighs> I feel like I need to go trick or treating tomorrow. When was the last time use... you went trick or treating? <sighs> um, probably later than I should have, but a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't been in a while. Um, I guess like you know, I've got a much younger brother, so like we went when he was little. But yeah, but I he's now too old. Now he's I think. pretty much too old. Yeah. yeah, we're all too old. Like if he if he goes, then it's you know my apartment building put like age restrictions on who's allowed to trick or treat. Really? Here, yes. Wow. I think it's like sixteen and under or something like that. You know, none of those none of those big kids like yelling for full size candy yeah. bars, yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. So that is. Should we, should we talk about something book related? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's not talk yeah. about Halloween anymore. Fine. Um, so there's a big book deal in town. Is there? There is. Uh-huh. Colin Kaepernick got a million dollar book deal. Colin Kaepernick got a million dollar book deal, which is good because he isn't making any more money from the well, NFL. So this is this is the thing with this, and I'm glad that um, obviously I'm glad that this happened. Um, but I'm excited that he signed a book deal. Um, one, he signed with uh, One World, which is a division of Random House. You probably know them because they are um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' publisher. You know, they kind of have And Jay-Z. A, Don't forget right, about Jay-Z. Um, they've got a, you know, very, you know, socially conscious um, sort of editorial vision, which I like a lot. And they're new. They're, they, they're, they've only been around relative, for yeah, a couple seasons. Yeah, they're relatively new. Um, but so it got me thinking a lot. Um, this whole Kaepernick book deal specifically related to this, and we won't get into all the other many issues related to him. Um, but it got me thinking a lot about uh, publishing when it's done right, you know, because I think a lot of the time, you know, we on this show criticize publishing. You know, we're, I mean, we obviously, I think, it comes through that we really love this business and that we really enjoy being a part of it. But, you know, there's a lot of critiques of the industry, especially with regard to who gets book deals. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've, um, 
you know, we've spent plenty of time critiquing deals for less than savory characters. Um, and it got me thinking about like platforming and free speech, you know, like, like that just stupid debate that is always happening anytime anyone of, su- of substance on either side of whatever political divide you're interested in gets um, a deal. And what I really liked about this is it, co- it represents to me what I think is really the best of publishing, which is taking someone who in the in their other life, you know, obviously Colin Kaepernick's main life is you know being a football player like it has nothing to do with books right like he's someone who um, plays a sport has all this stuff and that's kind of where he gets his platform and his clout right like by being a professional athlete that people have heard of Um, but right now he's experiencing um, that institution taking away his platform right like he's having that kind of stripped from him. He's being blackballed. Um, and and no one, by the way, before I continue, no one like tweet in at me about how he's not being blackballed and how he's not good or how he's, you know, not the right fit or whatever other stupid fake football reason you have for Colin Kaepernick not being on a team. I don't want to hear them. Um, they're all, have, they've all been systematically debunked and I'm not interested in like Niners Goku 49 like tweeting at me <laughs> about like how he's like not a good pocket passer like just don't do it he's we all know the deal um and that's how it is but back to reading and writing um he's someone obviously with a lot to say um with regard to the world and with regard to the um American landscape with regard to social justice and uh, criminal justice and things like that and he sort of had his voice taken away yeah. right and I think that uh, one thing that publishing can really do, and when it's really working right, um, I think is incredibly powerful and good, and makes me hopeful about this business, is that it can give the pl- it can give a platform back to someone who the world would like to take it away from. You know, like he's someone who you know, without you know, big publishers who are really trying to do socially conscious thing, you know, we may not have heard, we may not hear from him as away. much, you know, yeah. and. He's obviously, I mean, he's doing a ton of stuff that has nothing to do with writing, you know, that have to do with his um, causes and things like that. But um, the idea that, you know, a publisher would swoop in and say, hey, here's a, it sounds like it's a million bucks. Yeah, just over a million. Yeah. Um, And say, actually, we want to hear from you. To me, that's that's big, major trade house publishing at its best. Yeah. Um, Because, not just because it's giving a book deal to someone interesting, but specifically this person who, in his, you know, in the other, you know, space of his life has sort of had his, you know, a platform that I think, you know, he's earned kind of taken away from him. You know, publishing is the, you know, act of giving someone a platform, right? It's giving someone a microphone and, um, you know, the book world stepping up and doing that I think is is really good. And um, I don't know. One thing that I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, living in Minnesota, we are very aware of of Chris Cluey, right? Yeah. Who oh, yeah. many, many years ago, yeah. not many, many years ago, but many, many few, years yeah. ago in, in football speak, right. Right. um, was basically fired after he had kind of come out as, as pro LGBTQ right. rights, especially in, in, in football spaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he, got a book deal not too long after that and that is kind of given his I somehow missed this career Do you know where his, yeah where his deal it's was? um so he it, it's 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 a great collection of essays it's called beautiful unique sparkle ponies <laughs> I do wait, wait I did see this I do remember <laughs> this yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's actually a charming collection right. and I mean right. I find I find Chris Cluey to be um yeah. 
like a beautiful writer. Yeah. He's he's you know just yeah. Um, you know he's he's just mean enough. He's just crass sure. enough. He's sure. you know he's he's capable of communicating very uh complex thought in a very cogent manner. Um, but this is you know Chris Cluey getting getting you know a deal for a book of essays that's that's pretty small but actually watching him and watching him kind of transform his football career into into a career as like a content creator and kind of a voice yeah Yeah. i'm looking at this colin kaepernick kaepernick um book deal as kind of that writ large like i'm really really excited to see him do you know similar things that chris cluey did but like do it better and do it for more people yeah. and do it in a way that kind of makes a larger impact. Yeah, you have to hope so. I mean, it's, um, you know, again, without like getting into all the non-book related things about him, just because, again, I don't want the emails. Um, but I do think that this is hopefully the sign of things to come. It sounds like he took this very seriously. Um, he had meetings selection. with yeah, multiple he, yeah, he publishers. Um, you know, he's got a big he's got a big time agent. Um, he's you know, they all you know, he sort of went around and. Um, you know, one thing I will say that, you know, just knowing how I typically look at giant book deals for celebrities, which he is in most definitions yeah. of the term, right? Um, you know, we're usually pretty cynical about it, especially yeah, on this show. Bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I feel like, you know, we've critiqued a lot the publishing model of giant seven figure checks to known to known quantities and nothing to anyone else, right? Like, that's something that you and I have... Um, constantly railed against yeah. as a model that's killing, you know, creative voices. And I was kind of thinking, you know, okay, well, I was trying to push myself. Like, why why don't I hate this one? Apart from just um, I like this person's views. I mean, because you want it to be more than that, right? Like, you want it to be – actually, that's good business because, you know, there would be – you know, there is a scenario where – and I think a lot of people probably will, um, especially on the right – We'll look at this deal and kind of be pretty cynical in the same way that you and I have looked at, you know, deals for, you know, sort of right wing thinkers and have been kind of cynical, which is that, you know, the, the, you know, a big publisher is just throwing money at someone who they know will sell books regardless of what they think of the product. And I think that um, there are plenty of scenarios where, you know, a publisher could very much not care at all about anything that Colin Kaepernick has to say. And still think that it's a good decision to publish him just because they know someone will read it and they know someone will buy it. And they can sort of cynically say, hey, we could move some copies and, you know, get some cash out of this, uh, you know, this phenomenon. And the reason I think I don't hate it here um, has to do with editorial vision and list building Mm. because I trust one world. Yeah. Because, you know, I look at who who the fit is here. You know, it's a press that. Um, has done, you know, many books that sort of fit in line with this that make me believe them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that it's make- going to be a good book that's more than just like my time in the NFL. Well, yeah, no, it's, and even more than that, just like, you know, on behalf of the, you know, I, I believe that the book will be interesting, you know, however it's written. But just in terms of the publishing project, I believe that they want this book because it's meaningful. And I believe that they want this book because it fits with them. And they it goes want it. beyond the celebrity status. Yeah. And so I think it speaks, you know, to the power of the sort of credit over time within the industry that like an editor can um, you can build or a house can build or specifically here an imprint can kind of build with readers and kind of that relationship and that trust of, hey, 
we're a press that takes these specific things seriously. Like, you know, there's a few presses out there where um, you, you know, when they acquire a book, you think, oh, that's, you know, that I am taking that book more seriously because it's this kind of book at this kind of press where like, you know, publishers have identities and especially at big ones, those can be kind of tough to find the bigger you get just because they become more corporate and more, um, I don't know, just, I guess that's the word. Yeah. Just more corporate. But, um, I don't know. I, I trust this one and I'm, I'm pleased with this acquisition and I'm pleased that, um, that Colin chose them because I mean, lots and lots of places would have published this, but it seems like he probably, um, went with the pitch to him that felt the most genuine. And to me, it's just an example of just big major, you know, celebrity trade publishing done in the manner I want it all to be done. And that kind of, that pleased me. Yeah. Given, given the, um, the, the beautiful thought provoking statements that Kaepernick has, has, communicated thus far and just in little sound bites i think that a book from him is going to be really exciting so i'm excited to find out more about this even though the deal was just announced exclusively um so moving on from uh just like our love letter now all of a sudden to big like celebrity the celebs folks (laughs) the celebs are coming to save us don't worry just give it a minute um we're going to uh bump right to um another one of our favorite celebs Mm -hmm. if you are a listener of print run you probably are familiar with uh the great james patterson Um, you know it's that been a while. It, it has, it's been a while well, but here, you know what, yeah. it hasn't been that long. Yeah. It's only, you know, been about two months since we've done a James Patterson book of the week, mm-hmm. which, you know, like it's, it's, it's a segment that we do, you know, from time to time. Yeah. Um, and I was curious this week. So I went on yieldamazon.com mm-hmm. and, uh, looked and I was curious. I was like, you know what? Like since the last James Patterson book of the week, which, how many books has come out? How many books have come out? God. Guess. Just How guess. many? So two months? Two months. And he's what? Like six or seven? Ten. Ten. Ten James Patterson <laughs> books. So that's like, I mean, that's more than one a week. Yeah, it's about one a week, yeah. Wow. Maybe a little bit. I mean, and I didn't, okay, here's what. I didn't even inc- include the new format reissues of old books or the translations. <laughs> There was actually about like thirty, and <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, because there yeah. was like new audiobooks or like new ebooks or like yeah. something in like, you know, Spanish or something. Yeah. And I didn't include those, so these are just like new content in English. Yeah. Anyway, so we have another James Patterson book of the week. This uh-huh. is Lucky Number Eleven. Is that um, the title of the book? Because I would believe that he wrote a book called Lucky Number 11. I'm sure he has that or will, this. but that is not the book. Well, that's the other Halloween costume you could have. It's just like write literally any phrase on a book on your shirt and then just say, oh, I'm a James Patterson book. And then someone could like maybe say, well, I've never heard of that one and be like, oh, just give it a minute. The It'll only be thing, a title in like five weeks. The only thing is that you have to um, have the movie phone voice the <laughs> whole time you're at a party. Yeah, that's true, too. In a world where we dress up in Halloween. Have you ever seen yeah. the trailers he does? No. Oh, we got to oh, yes. link to them. Yes. Yeah, he yes, like puts I on have. costumes and shit. It's yeah. Cool. It's wild. They're very anyway, good. Because They're he- very- okay. Anyway, so this <laughs> James Patterson book of the week yeah. is a follow-up to a very, very popular New York Times bestselling book. Surprise, right? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah, are yeah. we surprised? Um, to a very popular book, but this, this is a children's book. Uh-huh. So this book is called... 
give thank you a try. <laughs> um, so this is. I'll be writing a response called no. <laughs> so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the blurb for you. Yeah. Um, and then and then we're gonna talk about why this is a very special edition mm-hmm. of this section. Yeah. James Patterson, author of the number one best-selling Give Please a Chance, continues his celebration of... (laughs) The book was called, hold on, Give Please a Chance? Yes. Okay. That was the first one. All right, got it. Give Please a Chance continues his celebration of simple civility in this follow-up picture book about the power of expressing thanks. In Give Please a Chance, best-selling author James Patterson showed little ones the magic of the word please... In his second picture book, he takes young readers on a delightful search for kindness and appreciation in everyday life. Sweetly illustrated scenes from a variety of artists show children saying thank you for simple gifts like tickles, ice cream, and mommy and daddy's love. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say real quick that what I'm enjoying about this reading is that you're using the same voice you use for like when like he has to solve like some rich person murder of course i am i'm not gonna change the tone it's like the same for like a murder thriller like except now we're talking about the virtues of manners yeah if he if he doesn't use a pen name i don't change my voice (laughs) that's what it is fair enough fair enough tickles ice cream and mommy and daddy's love Reminding us of all we have to be grateful for. Hmm. So here's here's my favorite part about. Um, so the Amazon listing has this as "Give Thank You a Try" yeah. is the title, and yeah. then in parentheses it's "Give Please a Chance," which kind of usually with the parentheses it usually indicates the series title. Mm-hmm. So there is a big change between this book and the book before it. Right. Um, is that the book before it? was uh also co-written by Co- bill o'reilly oh oh that's who i want writing my children's books <laughs> that's great so yeah. we, we dropped we dropped bill for this we one we dropped bill oh for this that's one too bad um yeah so are you surprised that bill o'reilly I'm was not. dropped for give please a chance <laughs> christ um no i'm not surprised i also won't be surprised when when uh, bill o'reilly publishes again with someone um yeah. Anyway, that- <laughs> this one is out today, October 30th, Go 2017. It, Go get it. Bill O'Reilly doesn't have his grubby mitts all over it. So it's safe. Yeah. It's safe. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. And that is your James Patterson book of the week. That went from like fun and whimsical to dark real fast. It did, didn't it? And that's it was that's the, voice. the Halloween spirit, folks. It was the Halloween spirit. Yeah. But you know what? It comes after Halloween, don't you? Uh, no shave November. Which to Not, be to be fair, I'm here is, for that. Okay, so no shave November is complementary to this other thing that happens in November. Okay, and I know that you you are someone with thoughts on this, and that is I do love beards. We're gonna stay focused here, <laughs> <laughs> Laura, on National Novel Writing Month. It is. Are you Nano, ready? Are you it? ready? It's Nano Rimo for Nano Rimo. I mean, I'm ready for nano yeah. because i'm not a writer yeah um so so tell the folks at home what nano is just in case they don't know well so it's a um it's i guess it's like this event that happens for a month and the idea is you're supposed to spend um you're supposed to spend all of november writing fifty thousand words right of a new project yeah no there's lots of little rules and stuff that we'll get into here in a second but um the idea basically is to really make november into novel writing month to push hard on your writing project to try to get down 50,000 words in 
um, the 30 days of the month, which, which is, is very that's a ambitious. Lot, that's a lot of that's a lot of words in not that much time. Um, I don't. I guess some people write you know quicker or slower than that, but um, I think for anyone that is a feat. Um, and one thing I think that's interesting about it is that it sort of prizes um, quantity over any sort of quality and it's yeah. stated so like there's you know this is like an official thing right there's a national novel writing month um site where you can like sign up and do other things i think i did that today you did you signed run. up with the print run email <laughs> i know i'm gonna, let, I'm gonna has, i've been i've gotten three nano like happy like good yeah. for you emails yeah. <laughs> in the today yeah um it'll be it'll be good when well i think first we have to specify what novel we're writing Mm. Um, so I, I, I signed us up. So now we're on the hook. Is it is it striking yeah, out my yeah. dad? <laughs> I was talking to people online about it today, and our options um, we've got striking out my dad yep. from our baseball episode, and then a baseball episode. We would never have a we ba- had a baseball. We episode. would never have a baseball episode. But um, there was that, and then there was the one about the when we did the uh, when James Patterson had that like contest to find a co-writer i don't think that one counts because you've already written a chapter oh you're right i can't do it um but that one was great because that featured uh, that detective named the blaze (laughs) which was really good that was the that was the episode i was certain we were going to lose all our listeners but we survived didn't we Um, it turns out that people actually know that you're joking which i was a little worried about. that is that is a crucial distinction um but um so national novel writing month yes is something i've always found to be a little bit strange, at least from a, um, you know, the specific perspective I come from, because I um, obviously I work as an agent, as you do, but I also try at least try to write um, and I'm working. You write. On, yeah. No. And um, so it makes the, the month kind of tricky because there's a certain balance between obviously needing to spend a bunch more time on my own work. Right. Like if I'm going to participate in this, then you have to spend more hours writing. Um, and also spending a work day dealing with everyone else's manuscript, mm-hmm. you know, like it's almost like at the end of the day, I have to like put away everyone else's word documents and open up my own, you know, and you know, one thing I've always found, um, to be kind of interesting about November and I've done nano a couple times, not to the 50 K amount. Like I will cop to the fact that I have never once written 50,000 words in a month. I've been, I don't know, focused and stuff like I've, the spirit of the month, I feel, has been preserved, and we're going to talk about whether the spirit of the month matters or whether you know it's the contest itself that sort of counts more. But um, you know, I you know I've tried to do it, and one thing I always find in November is that it changes the way I read. Okay, if that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. and I want you to talk more so, about that. Well, and I think a lot of writers will say this too. Like when you are really working at a high volume per day. You know, you you end up thinking about it. You end up thinking about your work a lot. You end up thinking about your craft even when you're not writing, if that Mm. makes sense. Like, I think, um, at least for me, and again, like many, many of our listeners, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm a professional agent, but I'm not a professional writer. Like, many of our um, listeners are better writers and more experienced writers and more credentialed writers than me. So maybe they can correct me. But um, I'll now be selling t shirts that say better than Eric. But like, um, you know, one thing I've always found is that when you write a lot, you end up writing even when you're not like there's a sort of mindset that you have to be in. 
like to be productive. Like if you the if the only time you're ever thinking about your book are is the moments that you're sitting there writing, trying to write it, you're probably not doing a very good job because there's like a certain amount of like turning on your brain into that frame of mind. So that, question. Yeah. When you say that it gives you it gives you like the writer perspective as you're reading. Yeah. Does that mean that you are more willing to like a manuscript or less willing well, to so like that, a manuscript? Well, that's kind of where I'm getting is that like so if I'm in that frame of mind more during my day, especially during the moments when I'm like reading, um, I find that November is like my most sympathetic reading month. Interesting. Just because you're more, you know, you're thinking about all the same things that whoever wrote the thing you're reading um, it was thinking about in writing. You're like there's a certain clinical aspect to reading as an agent, right? Yeah. Like you're not reading like a craftsman. You're not reading like someone who has a particular amount of artistry in mind. Even when you're looking for it. Like I don't know. You can tell me if you disagree with this. But when I read manuscripts for work, I'm doing it at a pretty fast clip. I'm, you know, I'm kind of moving through it. I'm it's not very necessi- by the gut. Yeah, it's it's thing. very it's not really like a um you know, you're not and this is something we talk about on our first page show a lot, right? Like it's not exactly a you know, you're not luxuriating for an hour with every single, you know, manuscript you read. Sometimes you'll drop things within a few paragraphs, sometimes you'll drop things within a few pages, but I find that when I'm thinking more like a writer, I'm willing to spend more time in certain places mm. and I'm willing to be slower in my reading because it sort of serves as this reminder for like why we're doing any of this in the first place, which is that like we like writing and that we like, um, you know, the very act of people like putting stories down and like trying to, you know, write something that might communicate something. I don't mm. know. Like that sounds kind of idealistic, but that's how you think as a writer, you know, you do that because it's meaningful, not because it's giving you any sense of external joy. Most of the time, you know, writing is really isolating, you know, um, so you kind of do it for these idealistic reasons and agenting can be kind of the opposite. And so it's like this perfect reminder each year that the people who stack your reading is, you know, they were all thinking that other way. You know, like they are viewing these pages much differently than you are. And maybe by trying to connect on that front, like you can really, you know, find something that maybe you wouldn't have found, you know, during other months of the year when you're just totally swamped and feeling dispassionate and all that kind of stuff. So that was all very nice. <laughs> I am just going to go right ahead and say that, like, as an idea, Nano's awesome. But, uh-huh. like, in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, oh, I hate Nano. Well, there's um, a reason why. There is a reason why. Let's get to the reason why in a minute because I know what you're going to say. Okay. But <laughs> let's let's talk about the rules. Okay. Let's talk about the rules before of we get to why yeah. I hate Nano. Yeah. Let's okay. do that in a minute because there's a, there's a reason I hate Nano too, and it's the same reason you do. Okay. And I think a lot of people probably know what it is, but we're gonna get there in a minute. Um, <laughs> the rules. So yes. From what I could tell, based on the site itself and Wikipedia and like there the, aren't clear rules on the Nano site. Yeah, but there are like some stipulations there are stipulations right? yeah and like one of them is that i was just looking for a list i know i was looking I was like, for you know like the 10 commandments of, of nanowrimo yeah um which don't quite exist but one of them is that you are trying to get to 50k yep right and from zero from zero now so that's the other thing is you can't start beforehand you can outline right like you can have things but the idea here 
is that you are supposed to start from page one on November 1st. It's and that l- you write 50,000 fresh words. Yeah. Well, n- not even fresh words. Fresh words on a new project. Yeah. Like, you're not even allowed to necessarily continue it. In the FAQ on the nano site there is some like hedging where it's like it really works better if you're starting fresh yeah but i guess if you want to use it uh, no 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 just like the rules the rules are a fresh project (laughs) yeah i wish it would lean harder into the rules like there's like badges and stuff did you see that no yeah there's like little accomplishment badge like when you hit certain milestones you get like a little badge on the website and what? stuff. No, it's great. I mean, it all, it kind of hinges, you know, to my grand theory of life, which is that everything would be better if it more resembled Pokemon. Yeah. You know, like if you're getting badges along the way, you're probably feeling pretty good, right? So like I'm in, I'm into that part. Important That's good. question. Yeah. Who is Nurse Joy in oh, this God. situation? Oh god, I don't know. Mm. Not me. Mm. Tell you that. Definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway. <laughs> um but uh so there's all these there's all these rules. Like you're supposed to um, like it has like you know you're allowed to start at midnight on November first. Like it's like a it's like this whole you crazy can't thing. start on like October thirty first and end on like October or on November twenty ninth or anything like that. You can't you can't do that. You have to start on November first. But so what this does, and I think the reason you know because there's a little bit of nano backlash, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that people there's sort of become like this completion shaming. Right, like people, you know, you're meant, you're led to kind of feel bad if you don't I quite didn't get win there. Nano. Yeah, even yeah. though you're not really winning anything, or like there's a certain like sometimes that structure, while good, can lead to people feeling negatively about their work. And so, like, I guess my question for you is, yes. like, do you view this as like a useful enterprise? <laughs> like, like, do you think it's good that we have like this big major push? Because I tend to think that I do, but I also get why people hate this. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'm always a big fan of people getting words on the page because you can't edit a blank page, right? Yeah, but you're not. So these aren't just any words, though. Yeah. These are not your normal amount of words. Yeah. These are just whatever you get down in a frantic rush. These are not like someone's best. Like, I think a key distinction is that a point of NaNoWriMo is that you are not supposed to be writing your best words. Right. It's supposed to be whatever you can get down. Well, I think a big a big thing is... You know what? I I feel like it's valuable because like words on a page are theoretically good, yeah. right? Yeah. But I find that most of the authors that I kind of interact with, getting started isn't the problem. The yeah. the problem is yeah. finishing. I know. You know what I mean? Where it's like if you're writing a book and you've written 50,000 words and you're like, "Woo!" and then yeah. you hit November or then you hit December and then you crash. Yeah. And then you realize that you still have 30,000 words left to write. Like, guess guess what's not getting finished in December? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that completion anxiety is real. And, like, after a sprint like that, like, you, I mean, good luck. Well, so one thing, you know, one thing that's good about this month is there's a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of community, like, posts and stuff, like, a lot of support. And things that kind of happen, like, for instance, like our agency, it does like a blog post every day. Every day. NaNoWriMo as like part of trying to support writers who are doing it. I know a lot of other agencies do that. I know the site itself has content like that all over the place, which is which is great. Um, it just – and I think that we need it. I think we need this kind of celebration. But I wonder, too, if um, it almost – I mean, it's kind of the eternal debate. Like, is it good – 
to just get down whenever you can get down? Or does is there a reason to value being a little bit more slow paced and thoughtful with some of this stuff? And I guess that's a question that each writer has to answer for yeah. him or herself. But the one um, thing that I yeah. hate more than anything yeah. is when people will say, this is how you write your book. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's just like there's this huge cottage industry of people making money off of telling you the one way to easily write yeah. your book. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is that there is a way to write a book mm-hmm. um, or there is the best way to write your book. And that way is whatever is working for you and for that book at this moment. Mm-hmm. What's working for you now might not be the, what works for you next book. Yeah. Um, it might not even be working for you for the whole time. It's just yeah. one of those things. And so like, I'm always a little skeptical cause I'm like, well, there are some people who just like, this isn't going to get them any closer to finishing their book because they need to, you know, do that slow methodical thing. But for other people, it's amazing. Like water for elephants was a nano book. <laughs> was it really? It was. I didn't know that. Yeah. Water for elephants. Huh. There's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of That's like, hilarious. yeah, like really good, hmm. um, very, very like famous, very successful books or yeah. nano books. Yeah. But can I, can I tell the people why I hate nano? Please do. Okay. So I hate nano, not because of November. But I hate mm. Nano because of December 1st. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what happens on December 1st? Yeah. On December 1st, except not this year because we're close to queries on December 1st. But on December 1st and through the end of the year, I always get Nano drafted books. <laughs> so literally the clock strikes yeah. midnight <clears throat> and it is December 1st at yeah. 12, 12 a.m. Uh-huh. Here and they come. Here they come, the horrible first draft, unfinished, 50,000-word books. Well, so now you, Laura, sound mean right there. I do sound mean. You sound mean. You sound like you hate everyone's work. But here's the thing to defend you, the mean witch who hates everyone's book. Well, it is Halloween. (laughs) Mean. Is that... The First book is drafters? supposed to suck. Yeah. It's NaNoWriMo. You're supposed to, you're not even supposed to like pay that much attention. Beyond you're supposed to just even, get things done. Beyond even Nano. First drafts always suck. Well, so nobody should ever see your first draft so except for you. And maybe you should show your second draft to somebody. Yeah. So that's the thing. Is that I think maybe the key takeaway here, you know, with NaNoWriMo is like it almost shouldn't be called like National Novel Writing Month. It should be National First Draft Writing yeah. Month, you know? And like it's, um, I don't know, like if you just kind of free yourself, like, because I think the reason this, you know, month kind of stresses out writers who feel the need to participate, especially if they're in writing groups that are doing it, especially if they're in online communities that are, you know, really trying to make a push for it, it's that there's like this perfectionist streak in most people, or at least the streak that they want to write something that someone might enjoy reading. You know, whether it's their <laughs> imagine that, whether it's right? their critique partner or their you know whoever it is. Um, you know, you got to kind of free yourself in order to get 50k down in a month, I think. And um, once you do that, I mean, I think that's good. And I was kind of looking through, I was looking through the rules. Yeah. Of you know, and one of them, you know, obviously is that you can't. And I was I was trying to come up with tweaks, right? Like what might be a good way to kind of adjust this system so that mm-hmm. it works for everyone. And the first is that you probably can start beforehand. Yeah. You know, like I don't think that you're failing at National Novel Writing Month if you're bringing something you're already working on and then use November as like a reason to finish it, finish it, or like be extra focused. I know I'm doing that. I like, remember, yeah, I remember when you were getting ready to finish your book, you were like, "Give me a month." Yeah. Text me every day about it. Yeah. And you would like send updates. You're like, I 
wrote 500 words today and you were like super excited about it. Okay, first of all, I would never get excited about writing only 500 words. You do not wrote tell, 1,500 do not, words. Do not whatever. tell the people that I would only write 500 words and text you about it. Okay, but you would. <laughs> you weren't. Okay, I guess you were only excited about the 1,500. Right. But like you kind of like you needed something to pump you up to the end. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of nano being used to pump you up yeah. toward the end. Yeah. So that seems to be the first tweak I would make Yeah, is that you can start before. And the second one, obviously, is don't query on December 1st. Or um, like at that calendar year at all, or even for the first three months of the new year, ideally six or eight. Yeah. Are you ready for my biggest advice for NaNoWriMo? Yeah. The absolute thing that I think, and this is kind of an unpopular opinion when it comes to really getting something down, especially in the spirit I think of National Novel Writing Month, month, which is very communal, very geared toward um, you know reading you know lots of posts and stuff, getting a lot of help from your community and stuff. Um, for me, I think one of the key things for this month is to log off. Mm. I think you know a big part of committing to writing fifty thousand words, especially if you're trying to like everyone. I think listening to this is anyone who's a writer is probably thinking. Oh, yeah, you know, 50,000 words are all going to be crappy, but, you know, the crappy words are something other people are going to write. I'm going to write 50,000 words that at least feel passable to me. Yeah. The only way you're going to do that is if you either cut entirely or, you know, severely monitor and, like, you know, budget and kind of restrict yourself on your internet time and, like, the time you spent plugged into all the various things that national novel writing month has reading come to other offer. people's nanos Exa- posted there's first all, chapters there's so there's so much content around writing this month and for me that become there becomes this kind of danger of like wanting to just constantly be reading and feeling like you're participating that way as opposed to actually like sitting around and getting the writing done and like you know i said a minute ago like you know writing you know it's not an on off switch you know, it's something that you kind of do is, you know, in between writing sessions where you think and actually have some presence of mind. And to me, you know, if you're working at such an extreme volume for, you know, just 30 days, you know, the answer is probably to, you know, cut some of the distractions. And some of that means cutting National Novel Writing Month content, mm. you know, and I think that. Except for the Red Sofa Literary Block. <laughs> Except and print run. Way to be a yeah. Way to be a company man. That, that's great. Thank uh, you. <laughs> shout out, um, Red Sofa. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Like my suggestion, at least if I were to you know really do it, and I don't know that I'm going to write 50k this year, but um, it would be to just take a step back from all the stuff that distracts you. You know, especially in the year of our Lord 2017, when we're all logged on. Yeah, like and just, angry. Like, if you're going to do it, and maybe there's something healing about it, like, just take a break from everything, even during a month that is just demanding your attention. You know, every literary entity in the whole world is going to demand that you read them every single day, and I am telling you that you should not. Like, don't do it. Don't read. Don't even read the Red Sofa blog every day. Like, don't read anything every day. Like, find a few things you like, check in periodically, and then just go write, you know? So I have a I have another. It's not necessarily like an addition to the nano rules, yeah. but it's kind of an addition to nano. Uh-huh. What if at the end of this horrible first draft writing month, right. right, you take December 
and you like turn that horrible dreck that you just wrote into like an actual novel so that or is, like an actual book <laughs> so here's the thing here's the thing with that we've um i think that's a great idea December. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to call because we've we've tried in the past. We've tried in the past. Like I think last year we did a NaNoWriMo um, episode, and we called we like came up with National Novel Editing Month for oh, December. Yeah. But that's like way too reasonable for what this is because I feel like in November you're spending your time like. You know, you're just at this feverish rate and you're, you know, incredibly addled with all the things you're reading. And you're just like trying to cram the, against this timeline and this rate of words, you know, you need to hit. Um, you know, I think December needs to match that. And so I really like like just calling it Decembo. Decembo. <laughs> it's where you take 50,000 <laughs> shitty words and you turn them into 10,000 good ones. So now the problem. Wow, that's a lot of cuts. I mean, not not yeah. completely, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like you just you you come in with 50,000 words and you leave yeah. with however many shitty words, but 10,000 yeah. good ones. And this is this is like coupled by the fact that, you know, December is like the most crazy routine free month of the year. Yeah. You're like traveling around for the holidays. It's and time shit. for December book. <laughs> December. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Yeah, no, December is good. And like for anyone who thinks that calling a month of writing Decembo is silly. I'd like to point you to the um, the page for National Novel Writing Month in November that basically that says that the writers, like any, any of you, if you're participating, you are you are termed a rhymo. So you're a writing month. Yeah. So like any writer who does National Novel Writing Month is called a rhymo, um, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because it has nothing and to do with. It's yeah. that's totally fine with me. Like I love it. Now the you're point a writing is that Eric, what we need, you're a writing month. <laughs> Hello, I am the writing month. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, one thing that, you know, December needs is like an equally feverish month of like revising and editing that also yeah. like ties into the holidays. But you can like turn it into like a drinking game, yeah. except for instead of drinking, you're editing. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you can every time you have to like loosen your 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 belt one notch, you can cut like all of the adverbs out of three chapters. <laughs> <laughs> should, we make, should we make rules for December right now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if someone, like, if your, like, cranky dad, like, tries to talk politics at, like, the Christmas Eve dinner table or something, that means you have to go cut a thousand words out of your, out of your oh, novel. Like, you can ouch. do it. See, this is the thing, is you can take... You can take December, the craziest month of the year, with your family, with yourself, with the travel, <laughs> and just, you know, make it into editing. Yeah. You know, cut the adverbs every time you have some eggnog. You know, how many <laughs> how many bird carcasses have you seen? Get rid of all the butts. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know we need I mean? to we need to get some we need to get some memes going around this. Okay. We need to have this because I what I'm picturing I love this actually. <laughs> Can Rambo be one of the memes? Yeah, no, I'm picturing okay. like um me sending out really nasty things from the print run account with like the Michael Bublé Christmas album cover <laughs> saying like cut 50 you know cut 5k idiot <laughs> with like him like staring moodily at someone's door with a gift behind his back and shit yeah um you know it'd be really good um so i don't know i mean i think that every time you see a car commercial with a bow on it get rid of a scene where your character is waking up yeah no you just have to make little rules for yourself Maybe i love this we should do it we should actually come up with like a, a set of rules for december okay. for Decembo. print for run is going to own Decembo. Um, hashtag Decembo. because the idea here is to get is to match the feverishness of november yes 
with something equally insane and unhinged that doesn't make any sense. And also understanding that you're going to be at home sleeping in your twin bed with your like boxcar sheets and kind of not enjoying it. And also, you know, like drunk all the time. And yeah, let's let's get those edited. Let's get these books edited. Yeah. And like maybe, you know, you know, every, you know, one rule could be like whenever you're, you know, whenever your mom picks up the. And, you know, puts away the beautiful Christmas village with the train set that you set up on the kitchen table, even though you said you'd be right back. (laughs) You know, when she does that, you can go and like, I don't know, make sure your character's dialogue is talking to each other and not your and not your reader. Every time your grandma says something about how you don't call her enough, (laughs) like you can you can make sure that your uh, your periods and your commas are in the right place. So this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do. We're going to for December and we'll start hyping this up this month. Is we're going to start coming up with um, holiday themed. It'll be festive. Festive we'll all enjoy Decembos. This. Yeah. Um, rules for taking your nano draft and turning it into something you actually like. Um, Good. With a little bit of dose of Christmas cheer, if I do say so. <laughs> and some Hanukkah cheer. Oh, and some, oh, and we're some, very and inclu- some Kwanzaa. We're very, we're very inclusive. So stay tuned for more Decembo news because apparently that's a thing that we're doing no, it's a, now. It's a thing now. We're definitely doing that. Um, but but kind of as as you are imparting on your nano and then subsequently your Decembo journey, um, I, I figure it's time to read to leave you with a good right tip. Yeah. Um, so this one is actually a, a a tip that's inspired from our writing by reading episode this month, which yeah. is on the fifth season by N.K. Jemisin. Mm-hmm. And one thing that this book does extraordinarily well is that it plays with memories a lot. Um, And the memories that are used in this book actually like are important. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not just like thematic flashbacks. They're like they actually give you essential information to the story and to the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And what this book does well is that it treats these memories as discrete. And I bet a bunch of you like just heard me say that and you're like, well, yeah, they're what? Like, why is this a the, why is this an important yeah. tip? Um, but it's it's important. It's an important tip because lots of new authors try to blend like the memory to like the the present time, like really opaquely or even worse. They kind of just write it and they don't realize that they're making it hard to follow the action. Right. Um the big tip here today is that if you're doing a memory or a flashback, like just tell us, you know, you don't want any of the readers kind of mental space going towards figuring out what's real and what's not in, in terms of like what happened in the past and what happened now and how does that fit in with its with their worldview. Yeah. Um, if we're spending tons of time thinking about mechanics, we can't pay attention to the information that you're trying to impart to us in this flashback or memory. So I think, um, you know, and obviously, if you want to hear more on this, you should uh, listen to our writing by reading episode, which also dropped today. But the thing that kind of got me about this book is, like you're saying, how um, how just overtly and simply Jemison gives you these t- these changes in time or tone or memory or whatever it is. Like, it's just the most simple version of whatever it is. Like, there's no wondering about where we are. There's no... It's like, just, and then it's this just, character thought about exact, that day. No, and, like, that can feel really clunky, but one thing that it doesn't do is it doesn't leave you in the dark. And the if the choice is between clarity and feeling writing a little bit simply or being opaque and being completely misunderstood, take clarity and build from there, you know? And I think that oftentimes, you know, the answer to some of our writerly qualms 
is just to just to say what you're trying to say as directly as possible, you know? And um, I don't know. I think the book does a great job on that. Yeah. So so be like N.K. Jamison and just tell us when you're doing a fucking memory. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as a reminder, um, writing by reading is available right now. Go listen to mm-hmm. it. It's great. I promise. Query episode goes live the 16th of November. Writing by reading the following Thursday, the 23rd and first pages on the 30th. Send us your queries and your first pages to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you for a regular episode next week. Thank you.